Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I am so excited you are here today on the Abundance Outcomes podcast with us. Um, I have a super amazing guest to introduce you guys to today. Her name is Joy Davis. So Joy is the founder of the Full Moon Fertility, and she is a fertility awareness educator and holistic health reproductive health practitioner. She grew up in Alderville First Nation in Southern Ontario, Canada, and she is an I think I'm going to butcher this so you can enjoy jump in here. Um, she is an Ashinabe. Anishinaabe. But okay. I appreciate you trying. That's good. <laughs> um, and her culture is a huge part of her identity. She teaches women and menstruators about their menstrual cycles as a health tool and to achieve or avoid pregnancy. Joy strives to make fertility, cervical mucus, vaginas, and uteruses fun and talked about more openly. To use our fertility to our advantage instead of fearing it is her ultimate goal. So welcome to the podcast, Joy. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, um, so I want to kind of hear a little bit about how you first got into this, um, because I think, you know, menstruation and fertility can be a really touchy subject for a lot of women. Um, and I have to feel like this is because we don't really understand them. We're not really taught about them. We're not really taught about what's really happening within our bodies and why it's happening. So, um, I'm excited to hear kind of how you got started with your, with your journey. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's always kind of funny to hear how people get into the fan side of things because fertility awareness, as we know, isn't super mainstream yet. I'm like always yet, because I'm really hopeful that it's going to continue to gain traction and more Mm -hmm. people can use fam as they, as they choose. Um, but yeah, I got into fam mostly out of a need, um, for some kind of effective birth control option. Mm -hmm. And I was on hormonal birth control for many years. It's a story that we've heard (laughs) many times, I'm sure. But um, I just got to a point where I was really fed up with being on the hormonal birth control. And I just had a lot of really um, like just crappy side effects that were impacting my daily life. And I just Mm -hmm. couldn't, I couldn't stomach the fact that like that was my only option going forward as, you know, this menstruating person who has to worry about getting pregnant. Um, I just couldn't believe that my only option would be to be kind of like depressed and um, just overall not feeling like my true self on birth control. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I kind of came off of it and um, had a bit of a plan because I happened to kind of stumble upon some different pages that were kind of supporting coming off of birth control or something like that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of those groups, they talk about fam and eventually that led me to practicing fam and, um, you know, trying to learn it on your own can be really overwhelming, as you said, because we don't learn about our bodies. We don't mm-hmm. learn about our hormones. We don't learn, you know, what are the signs of fertility that we have. So it's really overwhelming sometimes when you find fam on your own. And I ended up working with a, um, fam educator. So what I am now prior to when I was certified, I worked with someone Mm -hmm. who, um, just introduced me to everything and kind of like answered all of my questions and made it super easy and, um, just a lot more approachable. 
And having that support just made me change my outlook on birth control and really wanting to make it accessible. And I wanted to be a part of this like growing fam community and um, teaching women and menstruators about their body. And that's, (laughs) that's kind of like a a long-winded answer. I'm sorry, but that's, that's how I kind of got into fam. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I think it's, you know, it needs to be kind of a, a journey because I think it is for so many of us. And, um, and I definitely resonate with what you're saying. I mean, hormonal birth control is, not fun. <laughs> um, I've, you know, had my fair journey of that um, as well. And I think it's really tough because it is hard to, you know, stomach that reality or be in a place of fear where you're uncomfortable if you're not trying to get pregnant and you do get pregnant or all these different things. There's a lot of different challenges. So um, mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate that you, you know, share that that was part of your journey. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I saw a post that you posted and it really sparked my interest. It says your birth control doesn't regulate your hormones. So can you explain a little bit what you mean about that? Yeah, no, definitely. This was like a life-changing kind of realization that I Mm -hmm. had um, when I was coming off of birth control. Birth control, because we know that there's a significant amount of, you know, women who go on hormonal birth control for things other than trying to avoid pregnancy. Right. Like there's a lot of reasons, like, um, they say it's kind of managing symptoms or it's decreasing PMS, or, um, maybe it's, they say it's helping with your PCOS or, or whatever that may be. And, um, if you don't understand what's really going on when you're on birth control, you might actually think that that is regulating your hormones. Cause I know that's what a lot of people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really common misconception and something that I really like to try to, um, just correct people in like a really kind way, because I know we're all just trying our best with the the information we're given about our bodies and birth control. So Absolutely. this isn't to bash birth control. This isn't me, you know, saying it's terrible. It's not terrible. It's just sometimes not um, presented in, in factual ways. So mm-hmm. it's not regulating your hormones because it's shutting off your reproductive organs. It's shutting off your cycle while you're on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of ways that we kind of like to, compare that to is sometimes people will say, Oh, when you're on birth control, um, it's tricking your body into thinking you're pregnant. I don't know if you've heard that before. Mm -hmm, I have. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a pretty common, um, sentiment, but, um, it's actually more similar. If you look at kind of the change in hormones and what's actually going on with the body, it's actually a lot more similar to like a pill induced menopause. So Mm -hmm. menopause, meaning that you're, you know, everything is kind of tapering off. Your fertility is tapering off. Your hormones are tapering off um, as you transition into that new beautiful time in your life. And so the pill does the same thing in in the way that you're not producing same levels of all of the great hormones that we need um, in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so instead of, you know, it might be portrayed as regulating them, it's really just kind of shutting them off. Um, And so that's just something that I like to point out because it's not regulating anything. If anything, it's kind of pausing some of the issues you might be seeing, which for some people is Mm -hmm. life-changing. If you have really debilitating periods and your only option is to go on birth control, then by all means, like absolutely do that. I'm not saying don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just saying, just be aware of the fact that more than like likely when you come off a birth control, you're probably still going to be dealing with some of those same you know, symptoms or, or what have you. So 
just mm-hmm. something to remember. It's not treating anything while you're on it. It's kind of just like pausing where you're at in time um, is sometimes how I like to categorize it. Yeah. And I think that's really important because um, I know, you know, with kind of my journey with it, um, you know, I did get on it for uh, PMS symptoms. I had really bad cramps. And so I got on it um, and, you know, I wasn't sexually active at that time. So it wasn't anything to do with pregnancy or anything like that. And, you know, I didn't realize that it was kind of pausing where I was at. And for me, I started when I was 13. And so, you know, I'm 26 now and I was on it up until uh, probably about, I mean, I guess now it's been about a year because I'm, I'm nine months pregnant. So uh, it's been a little bit now, um, yeah. but um, you know, it was crazy to me because I didn't understand that part. I did think it was like regulating my hormones. And then when I was talking to um, actually my acupuncturist, she was like, well, Hey, you know, I'm like, Hey, my husband and I are thinking about starting to start a family. Um, I am on the birth control. I had an IUD. So I got that pulled and she was like, Hey, just be aware that, um, you know, there'll be a big adjustment. And then also Mm -hmm. you should be, um, try to like, keep it out of your body for, you know, they say, I think it was with the pill. I heard like six months. And if you have an IUD, like three months before you even start trying. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, why would I need to do that? If it was just regulating my hormones, like when just stopping using it, you know, allow my body to go back. Right. And so it Mm -hmm. was really interesting to me. And I kind of was like, huh, if that's the case, if I need to be off this for six months before even starting to try to have a baby, Mm-hmm. you know, what is that about? And so I think that's a really, really important point. Like you said to that, we don't know that we're not told that it's not just regulating our hormones. It's actually, you have to allow your body to get back to that place where it's actually producing the mm-hmm. hormones that you're originally supposed to produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful point And something that I love to recommend to people because we know that you know, being on the pill can kind of cause some nutrient deficiencies, you can kind of get low in certain things. Um, So by giving yourself enough time, when you come off of it, you're allowing yourself to get all of those vitamin stores, get everything back up to really healthy levels, and Mm -hmm. hopefully kind of like, deal with some of those possible depletions that you've had. So it does just give you time to get your body really nice and healthy for I mean, arguably like the biggest (laughs) challenge that you can do, which is Mm -hmm. pregnancy, right? Growing an entire being within you, that's going to take a lot of energy and you want to be in your best state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know that that's something, yeah, definitely that uh, some people deal with when they come off of birth control is like wanting to get pregnant as soon as possible and then dealing with their period, not returning for several months, let's Mm -hmm. say um, if they've been on say the pill for five years or something like that. So just something to be aware of. Sometimes it does take several months for your cycle to return Mm -hmm. um, back to normal. um, And then from there on to get really nice and healthy within some of the parameters that we have with the menstrual cycle could take a little bit more. So it totally depends on what type of birth control you're on, how long you're on it, your overall health, um, all of that factors into kind of how that, that transition off of birth control is going to go for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's, it's uh, something, like I said, that we're just not aware of that really is important. And also, like you said, you know, the hormones are helpful because you, you can have like these nutrient deficiencies and different things. And I think too, since we don't necessarily learn about hormones and they kind of become this 
feared thing in society of like, you know, we have all those um, super great, you know, uh, cliches about how, um, oh, she's just PMSing or, you know, if, if a woman is moody or different things like that, these, these lovely sayings that we have. And so hormones have kind of become like this feared thing, but our hormones I mean, I know we're looking at a lot of it with fertility and um, menstruation and, you know, specifically here, but um, they do so many different things in our bodies with our immune system and our brains mm-hmm. and how we operate. So they're really, really important. So when we're talking about how your birth control doesn't regulate your hormones, we're also talking about, you know, impacting, dif- excuse me, different functions within your body mm-hmm. that don't have anything to do with pregnancy, menstruation, all these different things. So I think it's, um, like you said, it kind of goes even deeper of, um, you know, if we're trying to regulate our hormones, birth control may not be the the best option. It might be, you know, look, working with an endocrinologist or a holistic health practitioner like you are, and kind of looking at these different, um, you know, fertility awareness methods and different things like that, where you're not necessarily putting something else into your body, but you're working with your hormones to understand them. And like you said, not bashing, um, you know, if there is a problem or, um, is a reason that you really do need to get onto, um, birth control. It's just, I think we are taught so young that that's what you do. You get on birth control Mm -hmm. and then, you know, until you're ready to have kids. And then after you get pregnant, you get on birth control again until you're ready to have the next kid. I mean, it was crazy with my OB. Like I mentioned, I'm nine months pregnant. And so, um, I just went to my 34 week uh, appointment a couple of weeks ago and, Mm -hmm. um, the conversation about, all right, well, have you thought about birth control came up and I'm like, I still have a baby inside me. Why are, why are we talking about birth control for the next mm-hmm, one? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's such that kind of common uh, theme and, and conversation. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I still get every time I go to the doctor, I don't know why, like it could be about like my toe and they're mm-hmm. like, um, are you sexually active? What are you mm-hmm. using? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yep. We'll, we'll write you a pill um, prescription. And I'm like, Oh, like I'm good. I, I use fertility awareness and they're always interested in it, but yeah, I almost always try and, um, like they always try and give me some kind of prescription for the pill when I'm like, I am not here for this, like even remotely. So what right. is going on? But yeah, it's definitely something that they um, really think is the only option you can tell. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they can only deal with the information that they have. And right. we know that, you know, the holistic sphere of things often doesn't get the attention that it's um, that it deserves, but Mm -hmm. there's a time for the pill, as I said, and I am all for it. Like that was what I needed when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not that it's not for anyone. I'm just preaching the fact that it's not the only option and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, fam, that could be a really great option for a lot of people if they, if they knew about it. So I just always like to make that distinction because people are like, why do you hate birth control? (laughs) And I'm not saying I hate birth (laughs) control whatsoever. It's done amazing things for us to, you know, do the things that we can in, in present society. So I, I'm not ignorant to that fact. I'm just saying, you know, we can still be critical of how it's given to us mm-hmm. and um, kind of what what information we have on it. Like we are allowed to to criticize and question things without being fully anti-pill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, okay. So let's dive in a little bit of, you know, what is the fertility awareness method and really what can it be used for? How does it, how does it work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, it's, it's always fun to try and explain it. So 
Um, basically, I like to say, if you think of the pill um, as this big umbrella term under it, there would be all these different brands and names of all these different types. Um, and they might be quite similar, but they might have some differences within them as well. And so if you think of fertility awareness now as that umbrella term under it, there are many different methods that might have very similar rules, um, but also maybe a couple differing ones. They might have similar values or they might have completely different values. So it depends on kind of what you what you want in the same way that, you know, the pill, you're trying to find the right fit. You mm -hmm. also want to try and find the right fit with fertility awareness. So. Um, sometimes when people learn about fertility awareness, they think that that is the method, like just FAM is the method, but that's not true. You have to find a method within FAM um, to kind of let you know what the rules are, how you should be charting, who you can learn from, all those good things. So um, I teach under that umbrella of fertility awareness method. I teach the method that's called Justice. And Justice was um, one of the methods that came out of Canada. So I'm Canadian. Mm -hmm. um, so came out of Edmonton and our method is secular, meaning that there's no religious ties or mm -hmm. involvement. So there's never going to be any talk of God and whatnot, because that can be a bit big in some of the other methods. So mm -hmm. again, if that's something you want, then you would want to steer towards those methods and maybe not ours. Mm -hmm. So there's already some of those distinctions happening. Um, and we are a symptothermal method, which is just a fancy word for checking for cervical mucus and check and taking your um, basal body temperature throughout the day. So a lot of people are like, you're checking what? Yeah. <laughs> and I say cervical mucus. So when I say cervical mucus, a lot of us um, are unfamiliar with even what the heck that is. Mm -hmm. I was. Um, so what I like to describe it as is kind of sometimes you might call it discharge um, it's really stretchy, um, or it can be, it can be really stretchy or sticky. Um, it can cause smoothness when you're wiping or really slippery when you're wiping. Um, and it's just kind of that stuff that you, you see when you go to the bathroom sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we know that cervical mucus is a response from the hormones going on in our body. And so typically estrogen is what causes, um, all of that beautiful cervical mucus to become present. And the reason we're tracking it is because it is a key part of knowing what days are fertile and what days are not. Um, so tracking that kind of narrows down where you are in your cycle and when you are fertile. Um, does that make sense? Sorry, ask me yeah. questions if it doesn't make sense. Because I'm obviously talking like I talk about this all the time. So I never know if it's like too much or, or not enough. No, I think that's a really great point too. Um, I know that there was you know, a really big misconception for me that you can get pregnant any day, anytime, regardless, is that I know with, you know, kind of learning a little bit more about fertility awareness, that there's obviously like optimal times, but can you get pregnant anytime? No, you cannot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that is a, a big misconception and one that I think, um, I think it comes out of the need to, you know, want to keep young people, frankly, safe um, from pregnancy. And so instead of teaching them, you know, hey, there are these days that you can definitely get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, instead of teaching them that it's more of a fear based teaching to just say, you know, you can get pregnant at any time. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people really do carry that. But if we look at what's going on biologically and based on a lot of FAM studies and, and just overall fertility, that's not true. 
um, there's a pretty small-ish window of your cycle that you are actually um, able to get pregnant. And there's a ton of reasons why, but biologically speaking, that cervical mucus is insanely important to keep um, sperm alive. If you Mm -hmm. don't have cervical mucus present, then the sperm is going to die in the acidity of your vagina. Your cervix is going to be closed. Like there's just a lot of biological um, and hormonal factors going on. Mm -hmm. So the cervical mucus is the key part because we want to factor in how long it can kind of keep sperm alive in your vagina or in your reproductive um, organs um, to kind of understand which days again are fertile and which days are not. And then obviously if the person is outside of that fertile window, as I said, there's a lot of things in place biologically that are going to prevent the sperm from being able to go anywhere of concern, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, basal body temperature. So can you explain that a little bit more for, um, our listeners that aren't really aware of what that is? Yeah, definitely. So Basal body temperature is um, another marker of fertility. So our temperatures actually shift ever so tiny um, up a little bit when we ovulate. So um, that shift in temperature is from progesterone, that big dominant hormone that we see in the second half of our cycle, um, sometimes called the luteal phase, which is just after ovulation before your next period. Um, so progesterone kicks in to raise our body temperature, as I said, slightly, which is why sometimes we can actually get, um, a little bit hungrier when we're (laughs) before our period. And it's because Mm. our body is actually like, you know, increasing in temperature. Um, so we need more, we need more energy. We need more calories. Um, so the basal body temperature, you take it every single day. And you take it before you've gotten up in the morning. So the first thing I do every morning before I wake up, like completely (laughs) half asleep, I'll reach over, grab my basal body thermometer and I'll stick it in my mouth. I'll take my temperature and then I would put that into my chart. Um, And so I'm looking to catch where that small shift upwards in temperature happens because that allows me to know that I have in fact ovulated and that I am in my luteal phase. So it's a, it's like a great way to confirm ovulation has happened. Um, but it is kind of like the second fertile sign because as I said, we want to focus on cervical mucus because it is what tells us when we start, um, our fertile window. So when we have the ability to keep sperm alive, um, that's kind of like the key area of time. Whereas basal body temperature, as I said, can only confirm you've ovulated. So it doesn't let you know prior to when ovulation is going to happen. Wow. That's really interesting. Just cause I'm thinking, you know, obviously there, I think a lot of us have seen that, um, like the FDA approved the first basal body temperature kind of, um, fertility awareness, I guess, uh, birth control. And it pretty much only uses, um, just the basal body temperature. It doesn't look at the cervical mucus. It's not looking at a whole lot of other things. So I like that you really made that distinction of it lets you know that you did ovulate, not that you mm-hmm. are ovulating. Cause I think, um, that's really important in, you know, whether you're family planning, whether you're avoiding pregnancy, whether you're, um, just trying to, you know, regulate your hormones and understand your hormones. That's a big uh, difference to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I love to make the distinction just because as you said, there are 
you know, companies who want to provide, you know, accessible fam options, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important to be cautious about like what their driving factors are. So like we know that cervical mucus just is the better indicator of what the heck's going on with your body. And um, a great way we like to kind of like put that into like a fun analogy is to say, you could look at your app and um, it might say it's minus five out. Let's say I'm in Canada. So that's like a relatively okay day in the mid of summer, but, Mm -hmm. or in the mid of winter. Mm -hmm. Um, But so minus five. um, And then what would be even better than that though, is to actually go outside and to see if it actually feels cold. Um, go outside, see if it's raining, see if it's sunny, um, instead of listening to an app. And so I like to compare that to some of these, some of these new and emerging, you know, things, because although they might be a great option for some, I think, um, to get the most effective version of fertility awareness, you really do want to hone in on your cervical mucus, because it really is that day to day observation of what the heck's going on in your body. And it's going to tell you when that fertile window opens, which is essentially when you can get pregnant. So, um, yeah, that's just something I I always like to preach to people um, as they start to learn about fam. Yeah, absolutely. And then another myth that I've kind of um, heard a lot is you are most fertile when you are menstruating. Mm, Yeah, this is... um, biologically no but yep. I understand <laughs> sorry I just like I'm like yes that's a no yeah I oh. love it it's great but that's not to say it's not po- like impossible so mm-hmm. um if we look at when like kind of a general overlook of the menstrual cycle and this is this is not going to make the most sense to every single person so I, I apologize if we had a beautiful picture and I could kind of lay it out it would mm-hmm. make more sense but I'm just using my words so I'm gonna try my best Perfect. But if you were to have, let's say your, your menstrual cycle. So you have this long, um, cycle where there's menstruation, there's ovulation, and then you get your next period. If we're looking at your menstrual days, usually in an individual who has like a normal length cycle, they'll have a bit of time between menstruation and ovulation. Mm -hmm. And so a bit of time looking like a week, two weeks, somewhere around there where there's no cervical mucus, Um, and it's just what we call dry days. So there's no, there's no mucus present. The likely the cervix is closed. Um, the vagina is acidic. So a lot of those factors are in place to keep sperm at bay. So in an individual though, who has a shorter cycle, sometimes that time in between menstruation and ovulation can actually overlap. And so what that might look like is they have their period And then maybe on the lighter days of their period, you know, those days where we might throw on like a a panty liner or whatever, Mm -hmm. they might start to have cervical mucus because ovulation is so rapidly approaching. And so if they were to have cervical mucus, then, then they have the ability to keep sperm alive then. Mm -hmm. And so let's say within a couple more days, they ovulate and sperm were present if they had unprotected sex um, sometime in their period then it is possible that those sperm have been kept alive for a couple of days until that egg is released at the time of ovulation. So it's possible. I would not say it's super common. Um, Mm -hmm. You would have to have like pretty short cycles um, for that to be a concern, but that's not to say when you're charting that you can't just have a one-off cycle. So there's lots of 
you know, misinformation about cycles. You know, you want to have a 28 day cycle and it's always got to be 28 and that's the only version of healthy. And that's not true. We're not robots. Mm -hmm. We're never supposed to be, you know, like always outputting the exact same amount. That's just not how we work. Um, So there is normal amounts of fluctuation in the days of your menstrual cycle. Um, But sometimes you can have a short cycle and and there is that risk that ovulation was much earlier. And if you're just going off of kind of assumptions, like if you're assuming you're not, you're not fertile, then um, that's not using FAM. FAM is focusing on exactly what's going on with your mucus from day to day and never making assumptions or or guessing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. That's a lot of information. No, it absolutely does. I think that's really important. And I also like that you talked about a little bit, the idea of, um, irregular periods, because I think too, um, I'll be honest. I tried the basal body temperature, um, FDA approved, um, one, two, when I got off birth control, just to kind of track, you know, as my cycle was returning and kind of figure out trying to figure out a little bit about, you know, what was going on in my body. Like I said, it was a very foreign concept because I'd been on, um, the pill and IUD and different things for a long time. And, um, I don't feel like I really understood a lot of that. And it did map it out as that 28 day cycle. And so when it was like, it was kind of interesting to see even, um, you know, like I said, my background's in mental health counseling and addiction. So I'm kind of looking at, when I didn't match that 28 day cycle, there was like a little bit of shame that went along with it. And it was like, Oh, I'm irregular or I have an irregular period or different things like that. And, you know, of course, when you're coming off birth control, that can be definitely something that occurs. Um, but I don't ever really remember having a regular period. So I think that I really like that you brought that up because like you said, we're not robots. And just because you have a cycle that doesn't maybe match that 28 day idea of a cycle, it doesn't mean that you have, you know, an unhealthy uh, menstruation that your, you know, ovulation is off or all these different things. So I I really like that you brought that to to light. Mm, Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that just, again, comes from all of our misunderstandings and kind of like filling in the gaps of, you know, period education that we haven't had. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that education is either non-existent or sometimes a little bit incorrect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in this case, yeah, like we are not meant to have like regular 28 day cycles. Like we, somebody could for Mm -hmm. for all, like they could, but that doesn't mean they're like a supreme being or anything, (laughs) you know, they're not like a God because of that. It is, there is a healthy parameter of different days and when Mm -hmm. ovulation should occur and what your period should look like in terms of heaviness and pain. Um, And all of those factors kind of map out what is healthy and that healthy is going to look different from person to person. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's obviously unhealthy, you know, characteristics of a menstrual cycle that we typically want to look out for. And, um, you know, we don't want to get into like all of those options, but, you know, Mm -hmm. there's healthy and then there's like, not, and I don't say unhealthy, like you're, you're not dying or anything like that. I'm just saying like, there's always health changes that we can work on and things that we can always work on bettering ourselves and improving our health and changing those things within our menstrual cycle is also like included within that, that health, um, sphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So 
you know, I've heard too, I'm kind of just thinking of like these myths and different things that I've heard yeah, about menstruation. Good. I'm like, <laughs> I get all my questions answered, right? Um, yeah, you're like, let's clear this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's something that, like you said, we just don't talk about. And then we like assume that these things are real. And then it's kind of like mind altering when you learn that yeah. that's not the case. I mean, because I really didn't start understanding that this wasn't the case. Like I said, I'm 26 and I'm nine months pregnant. I finally started understanding a little bit more when I got pregnant because I was like, okay, this is when it happened and what was going on with, you know, my basal body temperature. And and I still had a very limited understanding, um, but kind of just started looking at, you know, what have I believed about menstruation and pregnancy and pregnancy prevention and just all these different things. Um, So one of the other things I heard was that your menstruation or your menstrual cycle can connect to moon cycles. And I'm curious if you've heard that and kind of what your thoughts are about that. Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, definitely it can be something that you flow with the times of the, the moon. So if it's, you know, it depends. So there's a whole lot of information about this, but definitely you can get in sync with the moon. That mm-hmm. does happen. Um, now, I would say a lot of people believe that um, depending on if you're, say, bleeding with the full moon or ovulating with the full moon, you're putting out different energy. Um, so I would have to look into exactly which one switch, but mm-hmm. I know one is a red moon cycle and one is a white moon cycle. And mm-hmm. so one meaning that you are putting your energy more outward. And so you are, you know, hanging out with people and you're working on improving the lives of those around you. And you're really like flowing around you. And then versus the other cycle is um, that you are turning inward. You're working on yourself. You're working on your own energy. You're working on bettering yourself for everyone around you. Um, So one is about energy out versus energy in, depending on if you're ovulating or menstruating with the full moon. Um, so you can find lots of information about that online. Um, but definitely there is there is some alignment between us and our like our cycles and the moon cycles, 100%. That's really interesting. Um, I think it's really cool just, you know, like how amazing our bodies can be um, and that we could you know, cycle up with, with a moon cycle. I think that's so interesting, um, just how connected Mm -hmm. we truly are. Um, and really interesting that you brought up kind of that red and white, um, about, you know, how it does match with, if the energy is going inward or outward, that's really, um, cool and interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. And I always like to say, like, some people start to be like, okay, that's a little too like woohoo for me or Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a little too out there. Um, but I always just say that, um, you know, if you think about what the moon cycle does, it changes complete bodies of water and tides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we think of ourselves, we are a massive amount of ourselves, our water, um, mm-hmm. we can obviously be influenced and shifted by those things. And if you ask any, say, ER nurse, or if you ask any police officer, they're likely going to say, yeah, we get a lot more calls, we get a lot mm-hmm. more issues during the full moon. Um, some might say that's just, you know, luck or, or whatever, but I think it's, uh, it's obviously something that's influenced by something greater than us in terms of the, the moon and its pull. Absolutely. I, uh, worked in involuntary psych for a while and I will, uh, attest to that. There was a lot more intakes on full moons. Um, and it was always kind of, you know, a joke around the 
scheduling of, you know, people who are going to work is like, Oh, that's a full moon. You sure you want to work that day? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very true. I mean, there is, I truly believe that there's definitely, like you said, where, you know, there's a lot of things bigger than us. So, um, and I really like that you made that kind of analogy of, yeah, it does change tides and huge bodies of water. So um, it can make sense that it can influence us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's something that I always encourage people when they get started with fam to, you know, like focus on those main fertile signs I was talking about. So focus on your cervical mucus and your basal body temperature. But as you get more familiar with it, starting to branch out into fun things that you want to track and see if there's any correlation, like, Mm -hmm. do I feel really great and maybe even like horny when I'm ovulating? Mm -hmm. Is my partner more interested in sex then? Um, Do I want to work out when I'm at this part of my cycle? Or do I get headaches at this part of my cycle? Or, you know, where is the moon at with my cycle? Just kind of relating all of these things around us because we rarely allow ourselves to, you know, have a pass based on where we are in our cycle. And I think that's a huge, um, a huge problem with society, honestly, because we are not feeling the same every day. That's mm-hmm. not how we work. Any, any woman or menstruator can, you know, attest to the fact that some days you just don't got it in yet. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had these conversations about how we're feeling and how that shifts, depending on where we are in our cycle, we would just have a much better functioning, even society, um, just allowing ourselves times to rest without feeling, um, you know, like uh, guilty or, mm-hmm. or stressed because of what we have to come back to. And um I don't know, this is just like a side rant, but I just really think that if we allowed ourselves to be gracious when we're not feeling the best, depending on where we are in our cycle, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just would be better people mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we'd be happier. Mm-hmm. So that's something I always encourage clients and, and anyone um, to take those rests and to not feel bad about them because this society wasn't built for us. We weren't built into the modern workday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made over, you know, men and it was right. made with men in mind and not our cycles. So if you can try and take those times, and obviously that's a super privileged thing to be able to, mm-hmm. to say and to try and achieve, but really trying to take that time if you are able, um, I think really does transform our ability to show up better in other parts of our cycle. Rant over, sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. I think it's really important. And um, and I like that you mentioned, you know, look at these things that are outside of us too, because I think this is, you know, it can be daunting when we go into the unknown, right? Like people don't like mm-hmm. to be in the discomfort of the unknown. So stepping into learning about, you know, your cycle and hormones can be daunting and scary and um, you know, different ways. But I think that when you point out, like, look at these things that are more exciting, like, you know, have fun with it. Look at, if you're like, you know, I'm over here, like, oh, that's so cool about like the moon cycles. And I'm like, oh, when I, you know, when I'm not pregnant and I can pay attention to my cycle again, like I'm going to see kind of, do I match up with us with a moon phase or a moon cycle? And, um, you know, just have fun with it. You know, we have fun in a lot of other ways that we learn about ourselves, but when it comes to us, not understanding something about ourselves, I think we, we push away from it just Cause you know, that's, we don't like to be uncomfortable. Um, of course. but I like that you pointed that out. I think it's a really um, beautiful point. Hmm. 
yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about kind of to like this elephant in the room of a lot of people have that fear of, you know, if I'm not on a hormonal birth control, even though they're not hundred percent effective and neither are condoms and different things. Um, and we know that there is kind of this idea that fertility awareness methods like FAM or like, you know, just tracking your basal body temperature um, are not as effective. So of course, tell me about that. Just tell me kind of like what your, what your thoughts are about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, there, like, there's a lot of ways you could answer that question, Mm -hmm. but I would say that um, a fam has been studied. Um, A lot of the different methods have been studied and have proven that they are a very highly effective form of birth control based on a lot of different factors though. So I like to say that that is including um, working with an educator Mm -hmm. and this isn't my sale pitch to say, you have to work with me. That's not ever what it's ever going to be about with me. I want you to work with whoever is best suited for you in Mm -hmm. terms of learning fam, but working with an educator who's going to answer your questions, support you through it um, and just make sure that everything is answered. Every, Every single possibility and that you're using the method correctly We're just there to make sure that all of these pieces of things that can be very overwhelming, as you said, when you're learning about your body for really the first time, Mm -hmm. um, just making sure that someone's there to walk you through it. Mm. So that's a huge piece of getting FAM to be highly effective. Um, Another one is to abstain from sex in your fertile window. Mm -hmm. So what that means is obviously not having any kind of sex when you are within those fertile days. Um, now that doesn't mean, (laughs) that doesn't mean that you can't have any sex then, um, depending on the method that you're, you're tracking, but we would, um, recommend that you, you know, if you really want to have highly effective birth control that you not have sex then, but Mm -hmm. we understand that obviously people have needs and wants and, you know, want to have sex whenever. So using some type of barrier, um, within that fertile window is really important. Mm -hmm. And we like to say double up on those. So that doesn't mean put on two condoms, please don't do that. I'm (laughs) saying, you know, pairing something like a spermicide with a condom, um, and just kind of focusing on two separate options to keep yourself safe. If you know, for sure that you are fertile, Mm -hmm. um, So sorry, that's a long-winded part as well, but just explaining that, yes, it has been studied to be very highly effective, but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different ways to achieve that high efficacy. And one of those ways is definitely making sure you're tracking your cervical mucus. So um, not tracking cervical mucus, as you said, with some of those like temperature only methods, Mm -hmm. they are going to bring in an aspect of um, averaging your last few cycles. Mm -hmm. So if you're just taking your temperature, as I said, there's no way to tell when you start to be fertile. There's no way to tell like when you start to see cervical mucus, if you're not tracking it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how they counteract that is to start that fertile window, likely a few days or a week before you're actually, um, starting to be fertile out of caution. Um, and so that can be effective for people, but I would be cautious about that because we know, as I said, we're not robots, Mm -hmm. our cycles change and evolve and grow. And so what was an infertile day, a previous cycle could become a fertile day in the future. So Mm -hmm. never relying on those, um, predictive or guessing, as I said, um, kind of ways of using fam 
is really important um, because as soon as you're starting to predict, it's turning into the rhythm method, which we know is not very effective as a birth control option. So a lot of people get FAM and the rhythm method confused because a lot of the time when referencing the effectiveness of FAM, um, a lot of different birth control options, like, you know, those big sheets that'll kind of be like, this is 99 and this is Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, it'll lump FAM and the rhythm method together. So that's why a lot of people think that FAM isn't as effective as it is. Mm. But it is much more effective than the rhythm method because we are not, as I said, making those predictive, um, well, predictions about when we're fertile. We're literally going outside, as I said, and we're checking Mm -hmm. (laughs) what the weather actually is. We're checking if we actually are fertile. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to say too, um, with Joy talking about, you know, working with an educator, I think sometimes um, we get nervous to work with, you know, coaches or to invest in, you know, learning about menstruation may seem kind of odd um, at first, but I think that, you know, we put, you trust doctors that you go to, to help with your health. You trust, you know, teachers to educate our kids and different things. So it's no different than that. It's definitely like we talked about so many times, it's something that we don't understand and having somebody that does understand it and can really help you. Um, like Joyce talking about with those questions to understand your body is going to be so incredibly powerful and such a beautiful resource because, um, like we talked about too, it's, it's uncomfortable to learn about, um, you know, when we don't understand something and sometimes it can be too, you can have that layer of embarrassment of like, you know, I'm this age and how do I not understand my menstrual cycle? But Mm. there is no shame because we aren't taught this stuff. This is not something that's mainstream. Um, Like we've said, a lot of it, the more mainstream is birth control, right? That hormonal birth control is just what you do. It's, you know, especially Mm -hmm. um, when we don't fully understand it and um, so I just wanted to kind of put that plug in too, when Joy's talking about uh, really working with an educator, working with somebody that's really aware of, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on and can help you understand that is really a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And obviously I think it's important because I, <laughs> I got certified in it. Like that's a given, Yeah, but it, but it really is like um, a support for something that can be really overwhelming. And, and I know some people are like, oh my gosh, I have to you know, hire somebody to use fam. Like that just sounds like wild sometimes, but um, we're just here to kind of buffer out any of those questions, Mm -hmm. any of those concerns that you have really just support you and like um, encourage you as you go. And there's many different types of methods, as I said, and many different amounts that you have to pay for educators, but there are many affordable options if that's a concern for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also many different educators who are, you know, black, indigenous, or a person of color. Um, there's queer, you know, fam educators, there's non-binary educators. Um, you know, there's just lots of options out there as to what what method you want to learn and then who you want to learn from. Um, it doesn't just have to be me, if this is the first time you're hearing about FAM, there is directories of FAM educators who are phenomenal people. Um, Mm -hmm. And we all get into it because we have this immense passion for a fantastic non-hormonal birth control option. So if you're ever concerned about finding a FAM educator, please reach out to me. As I said, you do not have to work with me and I will help you find someone who would um, really mesh well with you. And there's lots of different directories that uh, can direct you in the right uh, 
yeah, the right direction. I love that. And I think too, I want to mention, um, I know that you have an app that you use as well um, that mm-hmm. kind of allows for you to see the charts and um, to track, you know, kind of the cervical mucus and the different things that you had mentioned. Um, and I just wanted to mention that to our listeners too, because I'm super type A. I love seeing like charts and numbers and figures and lists. So um, that's a really important part to me. I really like to see like what am I tracking? What does this mean? What does this look like? Um, yeah. So I think that that's really important too. Yeah, no, definitely. So the app is called Read Your Body. So like reading and then your body. So read your body. Um, and it's a fantastic app. It would probably be very overwhelming if it is your first time learning fam. So mm-hmm. I would just be you know, aware of the fact that you might open it and be like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually something that you want to use in conjunction with a method, as I've said. Um, and that will kind of clear up some of those questions about how you want to set up the app um, and what you want your chart to actually look like. So it's a great app, but it is something that you might want to you know, start using once you're set up in a method or at least working with an educator or something like that. Perfect. Well, Joy, yeah. thank you so much. I feel like we got so much information, so many Yay. myths busted. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mythbusters. Yes. Um, so I appreciate it. It has been such um, an honor and so much fun to have this conversation with you. So I'm so happy we could connect and get you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And I, yeah, I just love getting the word of fam out there. So um, if anyone has any questions, just reach out to Caitlin or I, and we can kind of connect you with hopefully some answers, but thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm so excited that I could be on this lovely podcast and I, yeah, I can't wait to listen to some more of your episodes. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And to our listeners, thank you guys for sharing your time with Joy and I today. Um, I know your time is precious, so it's always amazing to have you listening. I will put um, Joy's information of where you can reach out to her in the episode notes um, so that you can learn a little bit more um, and possibly work with her as a fam educator. Um, I think it's a really cool option. And um, until next next time. Thanks guys. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.